we promise double prizes this week, Rye Guy, and we don't let the fans down. So here we are, ready to do uh, a little double hit this week for the gang, right? Yeah, double hitter. Double prizes. All right. Well, uh, let's just get into it then, man. Why wait? Welcome to Purple Sector for this week's Double Dip. Helmut here on the mic. We've got Ryan joining us over the phone. How goes it, Rye Guy? It goes well. Love, excited for Spain. Love to Surprise, hear that. Yeah, I'm just excited for more. It's basically an excitement to see if someone can stop the Mercedes pain train of one-twos. I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so... We got some news here, so I'll hit the news intro to get everyone's pants soiled with excitement before we start stinging in these stories. Oh yeah, when you hear that fairy dust get sprinkled, you know that the stings are coming, baby. More stings than if you, uh, I don't know, if you squatted on a uh, beehive, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't sure, advise. Sure. I wouldn't advise doing that. The better way to get stung is just listen to f- listen to Purple Sector for some, <laughs> some news, you know. Yeah, All we right. got the hottest news. Well, let's sting in to this first one, Brian. This is a major black eye for Formula One and Liberty Media headline, when Formula One's F1 TV streaming service crashed during the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, it left many fans frustrated. The championship's engineers are assessing what went wrong, but it's a problem F1 cannot afford to repeat. So Ryan, two laps into the Grand Prix in Baku, the official F1 TV live streaming service crashed. And then it didn't come back until around lap 36. I was one of those disgruntled customers. Oh, were you trying to watch it on F1 TV? Yeah, there was ish- there were issues too during, um, I believe it was completely down when qualifying started. Yeah, I heard, I was reading and it was saying outages also hit it in qualifying. So uh, it sounds like it was just a big mess this weekend. Yeah, it was terrible. And I basically couldn't, u- couldn't use it at all. Yeah, and it appears, based on the article that it wasn't like a surge problem. It wasn't that there were so many more people for this race than the other ones this season, you know? Yeah. So no one knows what the hell's going on. But it's also not a good look when Chase Carey, what is he, the president or CEO of F1 or Liberty Media? CEO with the uh, handlebar mustache. Right, the curly mustache. And uh, he was making comments like, yeah, last year we were basically beta testing. And then this year we're starting to figure it out but then it all crashes 
and you have disgruntled mm. fans now who are like, well, we paid for it last year, and you're telling me that was a beta test, and I have yeah, to pay? Yeah, be- beta test that you made people pay for. Right, and so now they're scrambling, apparently, giving people refunds or price breaks or whatever after the debacle, the debacle, um, <laughs> when it all fell to pieces. So things are not yeah. looking good right now in terms of, you know, a marketing perspective for Liberty Media's F1 and F1 TV specifically. No, it's just Mercedes 1-2 after Mercedes 1-2, and uh, you can't even watch the Mercedes 1-2 because the stream service sucks. Yeah, and then Liberty Media giving your pocketbook the old 1-2 and uh, stealing cash from you when they can't even provide the service that you're subscribing for. Yep. Yeah, oh, well, so. here's the... If I was with you, we'd be clanking beers right now, cheer, cheering for a uh, hopefully a chaotic and unpredictable Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, hopefully Spain ends the pain of Mercedes One Twos that you know all the viewers have have been having. Obviously, the British viewers love it because Hamilton. Well, he's actually second now behind uh, Botas in the championship, but I'm sure they all support Mercedes since Hamilton's on the squad and wins all the drivers' championships, right? Yeah, but oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But the sp- hopefully Spain ends the pain. That'll be our our tagline going into the next race. Hey, let me uh, ask you a question real quick because I don't know off the top of my head, and I can't be bothered to Google it. Does uh, does Hamilton have a fastest lap yet this year? No, there's no. Maybe he got it in the second race, but I don't think he did. I thought it was Botas. Botas in the first race, right? Let me. Uh, let me bear with me while I uh, hop onto the web here. Because um, it's shocking to me that he hasn't, of the top six guys, he's the only one who hasn't uh, grabbed one of those extra points. Well, we talked about it on the previous pod, how it seems like he hasn't been comfortable. And that's really seemed to be the case, has seemed to be the case, because he just yeah. he's never really lighting it up like we expect him to. He, he can still find that one moment of brilliance in qualifying for the most part, but uh, he hasn't been as dominantly uh, quick or comfortable, it seems. Right. So let's he doesn't see. Seem, he does not seem comfortable Yeah. when it counts, you know, like in the race, like maybe the, that last quarter of the race when sort of whatever you do after your last pit stop determines the outcome. Right. Yeah, and he made a lot of comments, made it very well known that he doesn't like Baku the track <laughs> he should love it he got gift wrapped a win last year yeah let me see fastest laps maybe they have it here uh, they don't do it like total by all races but yeah botas in uh the first race and then let me go to bahrain here botas was in australia and then in Bahrain, it was Leclerc. Remember, he was able to hang on to salvage fastest lap, even though his car started to crap out on him. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Gasly in China, they strapped on a set and had him go for it. And then Azerbaijan was um, was Leclerc again. So Leclerc has two. Right now, he's the fastest lap kid. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Hamilton, he'll start finding his form, I'm sure, because he always has done well in the past in these boring-ass street circuits, right? 
Yeah, I mean, this is going to be all about qualities. Qualities and good pit stops is going to be the name of the game in That's Spain. A, yeah, it's going to be a lot of undercut, overcut crap, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's Spain is hasn't really put up an interesting race in like a decade, I want to say. Yeah, it's it's been a while, and that's become the joke, right? That whatever the qualifying result is, just print those top three as your podium. Yeah, unless two Mercedes take each other out like they did in 2016. That was probably the best Spanish Grand Prix in like 15 years. Yeah, I'm always I'm always for that. That would be fun to just tighten this gap in the drivers and constructors championships, right? Because if we could get yeah. them to somehow wipe each other out or DNF or at least one of them DNF and Ferrari could maybe pull off a one-two, then we've got new life breathed into the uh, this season. Yeah, so... What, what are some of these other news pieces you have? Oh, well, let me sting it. Headline, some more Lewis Hamilton comments. Lewis Hamilton reckons he was too friendly against teammate Valtteri Botas at the first corner as he labeled his Azerbaijan Grand Prix performance as under par. So <laughs> he's already starting to chirp, Brian, that, yeah, I basically let him win without team orders by not pressing him on that you know, initial lap in those first few corners, which you saw it. My thoughts were just, they raced clean the way you should as teammates, right? Because he shouldn't be trying to run him into the curb and forcing him to break and just giving him the spot because he's trying not to wreck his teammate. You know, there has to be a give and take between the two of them, which I thought was how it went at the start of the race for both the Mercedes. Yeah. I would say it was pretty yeah, I don't know. We're just not at that point in the season yet. You know, if this was uh, like race 15 and Hamilton was down by a championship point, you would have seen a completely different uh, first couple of corners. Yeah, we know how he gets near the end of the season when his championship is being threatened. So I'm sure he would not give any concessions at that point, you know. Absolutely not. So the quotes from Hamilton were, Quote, I didn't get the job done in qualifying. Botas did. And then in the race, I was too friendly <laughs> at turn one and basically gave it to him. That's what, that's what he says. I gave it to him. Yeah, that, that's like, uh, again, with the, the psychological warfare, like Botas didn't earn anything. It was just Hamilton being having mercy. But this is also lighting the fire under what we see as a more determined Botas this year. It's also lighting a fire under his ass, right? Because if I'm him, I'm going to be like, okay, well, fuck you. I'm not conceding anything if I'm behind you. And if you're pushing me, I'm going to run you off the fucking road now. Because, you know, if you're giving me wins when I'm ahead of you and should have more right to the track, then, you know, it's it's on, baby. Uh, I don't know. No ifs, ands, or bow toss about it, you know? I just don't know if we'll do that. I think he you will. Know, he, I think he's got the eye of the tiger this year, man. Dude, he's trying to accelerate contract talks. It's going to be hard to do if he's fucking wiping out his teammate. I don't think wiping out, but I think just driving harder because I wouldn't concede anything to him. He's leading the championship again, you know? This is true. We'll see. It's going to be an it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, hopefully it's as, as, you know, toxic as that year against Nico because 
that was pretty much the only interesting uh, season of Mercedes battling Mercedes. I don't think it will be as toxic because Botas, I think he almost sort of looks down on Botas, whereas Rosberg was much more outspoken, was very, very talented and mature, and, uh, right. you know, had the pedigree of his father and everything. So I think he had more of a leg to stand on, to stand up to Hamilton, you know, whereas right. Botas is much quicker, I think, to sort of concede the power and bite his tongue. I mean, Rosberg, it was every press conference was high drama back in those Rosberg-Hamilton days. Remember, it was nothing but like passive-aggressive sniping between the two of them at every presser. It was so petty. Yeah, it was great. It was a, you know, house, real housewives of Formula One. Just <laughs> exactly. both, of them, <laughs> both of them taking pot shots at one another. At every turn, you know. Yeah, it was uh, an interesting time. Can't say I enjoyed it, man. That it was, it wasn't great. I enjoyed the end result, and no one enjoyed the final race because that was when Hamilton backed up Rosberg, going like seven. He was basically going at like virtual safety car speeds just to try and get someone behind to make a move and wreck Rosberg. Remember? Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, totally brutal. Well, Ryan, here let's, we got some more action, so let's sting on over. Renault F1 team boss Cyril Abitaboul is confident that a very simple software fix will have addressed the issue that had ruled Nico Hulkenberg out of the Chinese Grand Prix. So this was actually just before Baku that this article came out, but I figured it was worth revisiting because it, there's the quote is unbelievable, in my opinion. So Abitaboul says, quote, we have a very simple change in one line of code, and hopefully that will have sorted out the problem we had in Shanghai. So one line of code had some simple change. Apparently it created some loop that kept forcing the system to like shut down or screwing with the system. I mean, how, how is there not someone who's able to find that thing? I don't know. I don't know the intricacies of the, the software that he's talking about, but I'd imagine it's pretty complex, dude. But the way that yeah, it does I mean, make it's it sound a ton like it of, nothing is silly a, to me. Yeah, it's a ton of code and software, but it's just some simple loop, I guess, that was created by the language. And the fact that, you know, the guys who were writing this code weren't able to find this or, like, do enough checking to keep it from going wrong in the first place is pretty crazy. I mean, Renault, is, crazy. Renault is really not looking hot right now. No, not hot at all. Yeah, because the teams that they supply engines to are blowing them out of the water at the moment. Yeah, they look like shit. Yeah, they look, they look terrible. Them and Haas just look terrible. And speaking of Haas, let's sting over to some Haas talk. Romain Grosjean has described the repeat of Haas F1 team's tire struggles in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix as not too surprising, but fucking annoying. <laughs> wait, wait, where, where did you get this full quote? That's amazing. So he was asked if it was not surprising that they were struggling in Baku, where Haas predicted they would have a tough time, and Grosjean said, quote, yeah, but fucking annoying. Somehow not too surprising. <laughs> that's really funny. So that's been all the talk is how Haas is just awful on these new sort of thinner tread tires that they came out with this year Pirelli so there's another Amazing. story relating to it uh, Gunther Steiner got in on the act saying he's very conscious about 
the Haas car, the VF19, being absolutely the worst on the 2019 grid at getting the tires to work. So as we, as we stand after Baku, Haas is eighth in the constructor standings and on a three-race pointless run. So they haven't scored points since the first race, and they've made it to Q3 in the majority of the first four races. That's just amazing, though. They can get the tires to turn on and qualifying. I guess the, the, the answer is that they can only get the tires to work when the yeah, engine is completely short, cranked up. Or just a short window, you know, because you're not going out there and doing a full trying to squeeze as many laps out of a tire as you can, you know. Yeah, they I mean, can get that. They can get it switched on, you know, when they can warm it up and get one or two flying laps. But apparently, they can't stretch them for longer stints. We are absolutely the worst one to get it to work, he says. <laughs> Interesting, dude. Yeah. So it's too bad. I know because they got that lovely new livery. I think we they were the consensus best uh, livery for this season, and they can't get it going. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone all wrong since Rich Energy came in, when you think about it. Yeah. So, Ryan, I don't know if you saw, I had posted um, for our Hump Day Helmet, hashtag Hump Day Helmet on Instagram. Again, follow at Purple Sector Pod on Instagram and Twitter for all the good stuff we're doing over there and interact with us over there. Um, and go check it out at Purple Sector Pod. I put up for the hashtag Hump Day Helmet, the magnuson all black helmet that i was talking about in baku mm -hmm. and i figured out in my research because we were talking about looking it up after the last pod figured out that it was um you know that like billionaire um the billionaire dude whose kids were murdered in the uh, sri lankan bombings yes he's also a sponsor of magnuson in so to some yeah. degree so Magnuson uh, did the all black. Jack and Jones, right? He's the guy affiliated with Jack and Jones. Oh, is that what the tie-in is? I think. Well, his three children, whose names start with A, just like him, his family does that bit where they all use the first uh, letter for everyone's names. <laughs> so uh, Magnuson had the three A's on the top of the visor with the uh, the black carbon fibery helmet as a uh, as a remembrance and tribute to uh, to the the sponsor's children. So. Good-looking helmet under sad circumstances, but uh, yeah, go check that out and throw some hearts at our Instagram at Purple Sector Pod and hit us up on the the Twitter as well with that handle. So Twitter, so Twitter's so dead to me. It's it's just so much work, <laughs> so much work, and it's such a cesspool. But we're still there, and some people like it. So if you like it, tell us why we should be on there and reach out to us over there. So Absolutely. let's sting our way back into some more action here. Danny Rick some Danny Rick news right guy we talked we touched on this on the previous pod so if you haven't listened yet go back and listen to that where we break down the entire race in Azerbaijan Daniel Ricardo has been given a three-place grid penalty for the race in Spain after reversing in a caveat in the race in Baku um, so Ryan I, th I found this interesting to touch on again because of his actual quotes which to me seem like total bullshit so he says, quote, I saw a gap and I thought I would have a go. Then I felt I was starting to lock and I missed the corner. I went down the escape road. It was just, I guess, a sense of urgency and a bit of panic, if you will. I found reverse mm -hmm. and started going. And to be honest, I had no idea he was there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really, 
doesn't save him, does it? No, because can't save face with that quote. You have to have peripheral vision, and naturally, anyone who goes whenever you put a car in a reverse, it's a knee-jerk reaction, you know, at this point, to naturally check to see if something's behind you or how you should go backwards, you know. So I don't buy yeah. that at all. I I think he just panicked. He was pissed. Probably realized he wasn't giving me in the points and just ruined his and Kvyat's races by backing his uh, butt cheeks right into him. Butt cheeks. He's he was definitely pissed. Oh, livid. And again, more crap performance by Renault because neither guy got in the points there. Ricardo is flirting with the points. Probably not going to get into it, but like we've said, he I think he's just not another guy who's not comfortable yet with sort of the the balance and the breaking of the new car versus, you know, much better handling Red Bull that he left. Yeah, I mean, not only he can't catch a break and he's also screwing himself over. I mean, now he's going to have a three-spot penalty in Spain and, you know, he hasn't really put it together much in qualifying, so it could just be another terrible weekend for him. Just kick the can down the road to, uh, what is it, Monaco after Spain? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's he's already got his uh, his championship or his not championship but win there in Monaco should have had two, um, yeah. But he got it last year, so I would expect him to at least probably run pretty well there. You know, well, so, we'll see. some more fun Danny Rick news, Ryan. Daniel Ricciardo revealed that he won back a one thousand euro bet that he made with Red Bull advisor Helmut Marco at the start of the twenty nineteen season. So. <laughs> Apparently last year, um, I don't know why they said this, the guy who wrote the article, the bet was made during last year's silly season. I don't know how silly it was, but uh, um, so apparently Ricardo, excuse me, Ricardo believed that Valtteri Botas would leave Mercedes and Marco bet him that the Finn would stay. And Ricardo said, he did win a thousand euro. He always wants to bet more. I'm not a gambling man. A thousand is not by choice. It's a bit of peer pressure from Helmut. So I love it that Helmut Marco's this degenerate. <laughs> he is. I've known this for a while. Oh, nice. I didn't know you had the inside skinny on Marco's uh, vices. Well, he just sounds like a degenerate. Like when I talked about how uh, um, Anthony Davidson was like, yeah, uh, he, he's constantly comparing the Toro Rosso drivers to uh, – Oh yeah, that all when he when he won. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So, uh, Ricardo though stressed that he later won the money back. He said, "Quote: We did another bet. Actually, I think it was in Melbourne, and I won it back. So now we're even." In qualifying, he he being Helmut Marco thought that Red Bull would be top three in qualifying, and I said they wouldn't, and they weren't. So I got my money back. I don't want to bet with him anymore. <laughs> He That's can't funny. handle that that heavy action. He's not a big gambler. I love it. You said it was for how much? How many euros? Thousand euro. Please. <laughs> now that Ricardo Those guys have so has much that, money. yeah. Now that Ricardo has that Renault contract, you would think he'd be throwing the loot around with Marco. Absolutely. So, Raga, there's also sticking on the whole Renault front and Red Bull. There's some more good sniping going back and forth between Cyril Abitaboul and Horner. So the headline is that Renault's F1 boss, Cyril Abitaboul, says Red Bull is what it is today because of the French manufacturer in response to recent comments about its former partner's deliberate criticism. So everyone's still butthurt between uh, Horner and Abitaboul and Red Bull and Renault. 
So the quotes from Unbeatable are, one thing we can give credit to Christian Horner on and Red Bull is that they're fantastic at their communication strategy. I was reading that Max is happy to take an engine penalty. Amazing. <laughs> he's basically saying right now they're trying to promote Honda, so he's willing to take penalties to help the engine uh, be upgraded. But obviously when it was Renault, they weren't doing that, right? Yeah. So Cyril's really taking a lot of credit for Renault and Red Bull's success. Renault has contributed. Here's his quote. Renault has contributed to making Red Bull what it is today by winning four championships in a row. From a financial perspective with sponsors, from a technology perspective with talent, recruitment, Red Bull is what it is today, thanks also to Renault. <laughs> this is like the engine saga that we'll just keep on giving. Yeah, it, it's never going to end, I bet. Um, so Horner was taking some shots back also, saying um, basically back in 2014 and 15 when they thought the Renault was not on par up to par when the new sort of engine regs came out and mm -hmm. Horner talking about back then says at that time it was felt that maybe Renault couldn't possibly afford the embarrassment of these engines not being competitive and not being reliable and not delivering unfortunately it didn't work <laughs> so he's taking another shot of like we thought they would have more pride and be able to put out a reliable engine but I guess they don't care yeah so many so many swipes like you said so much pettiness Corner and Unbeatable are just, uh, they just fucking hate each other, man. Yeah, there is so much bad blood there between those guys still, and they love just to keep stoking it. So, Rye Guy, let's sting over to some more. Another guy who, a former F1 driver who loves to mix it up with the media. Jacques Villeneuve. What? What's up? Oh, my God. I was going to say, let me guess who. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, let me guess who. It's definitely Jacques. Jacques, Jacques Strap Villeneuve says Charles Leclerc is having a negative effect on Ferrari because the team wasn't ready to manage a competition between Seb Vettel and its ambitious young protege. Yeah, so, he's right, considering Ferrari's not ready to manage a Formula One team. Yeah, they couldn't manage <laughs> regardless of who the drivers are. So the quotes from Villeneuve, are, quote, Leclerc is quick. He is personally ready. It's Ferrari that's not ready for this kind of situation. Seb needs to know so that he's... Boring. Yeah, and then he goes on to say how much Seb needs to sort of be coddled. Seb needs to know that he's loved by the team and by the fans, and that's gone this year. So he was saying a lot of how last year, you know, even with his mistakes, he would still get love because Kimmy's also a lovable guy. But now it's like get this young guy up and running because Vettel keeps spinning and screwing up, you know? There's a lot of pressure on both guys and the team in general. There is. It's uh, I, I don't think they're going to figure it out soon enough to even make it some, some kind of a challenge. Yeah, I like he went on here to sit, talk about Mercedes and Ocon, saying how they would have had the same situation. Um, he said, look what they did at Mercedes – if they had put Ocon there in Botas's seat, Lewis would have reacted the same way. He would have wanted to eat him alive straight away and destroy him. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, because it would have been a much more difficult situation because we've seen Ocon ignore orders in the past when he was with Force India, you know, and get into scrapes with uh, Perez. I'm sure if he's in the Mercedes seat, he's going to want to be the fastest guy and recklessly go at Hamilton. Maybe. 
Ocon, I have a feeling he'll do what he's told. Well, maybe that's why he's being led around on a leash every race weekend by Total Wolf. It's to sort of break him, to, to house train him for when he might eventually get get the seat there next to him, right? Well, fortunately, that they've actually stopped that a little bit, right? I he, mean, was, he was there in Baku again. He, you saw him after the race. He was in the crowd of people, you know, when they were celebrating. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, at least it, yeah, every single not, time like, they're not... He's not sitting with him at the communication wall during the race anymore. Yeah, he's not in your fucking face the whole time. Yeah, with his snaggle teeth, man. He has got some chompers on him, dude. Going every, going <laughs> every which, they're going every which direction. His teeth and his legs, dude. God. Yeah, the legs will give you nightmares. I would not recommend looking up those legs because they're, they're a thing of nightmares. They really are. So, right, guys, some racing point news. We got the name right. Headline, Racing Point uh, Technical Director Andrew Green says that the Silverstone outfit has to be patient as it awaits the first big upgrade package of 2019 in Barcelona. So this is almost a bit of a Barcelona Grand preview. Um, I think uh, some other teams might be rolling out some more upgrades, but basically Racing Point is bringing their first upgrade package, uh, big upgrade package, to uh, before Spain, which is the next race. So the quotes Baku. They say what it is. Uh, no, I think it's just all sorts of stuff. I they haven't mentioned any specifics in here, but my guess would be maybe some slight wing changes, maybe some other um, NG MGUK and software upgrades and things like that. Um, okay. The quotes. Quotes from Andy Green, the technical director. Baku has always been strong for us, and then we've got updates coming thick and fast after that. I, I don't know about the thick and fast. Thick and fast, coming thick and fast is uh, an interesting choice of words, right? Yeah, absolutely. Very suggestive to say it that way, but yeah, they were strong in in Baku, but because they had the Baku beast uh, Sergio Perez. But I wonder if they can do sort of replicate what they did last year. Remember when they start bringing those upgrades and like in Spa when Ocon qualified third and they were just fast as hell all of a sudden yeah that would be nice yeah because it sounds like basically you know with the arbitration last year and um larry stroll now getting his big old mitts on that team they finally gotten past all of that sort of debt repayment and gotten everything sort of steady where now they can start investing back in the team and getting those upgrades onto the car yeah, we'll see. I mean, I can't remember if they've ever done, like, well in Spain, usually. It's a completely different team now, though. Yeah, so we'll have to see if they can get find that pace like they did last year in the middle of the season with these uh, thick, fast updates that are coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thick and fast. Yeah. So, next piece, Ryan, on that non-news news side of things that we always get into every now and then on the Miami Grand Prix. Uh, your headline... Yeah, it's not looking good. Yeah, your headline, the plans to run the proposed Miami Grand Prix... Oh, Jesus. The plans to run the Miami... <laughs> the, the plans to run the proposed Miami Grand Prix... That's so many P's. It's so painful. Plans to run the proposed Miami Grand Prix around Biscayne Boulevard and Bayfront Park. Also the B's. Jeez. 
in the city's downtown area appear to have been scrapped in favor of a new venue adjacent to the Miami Dolphins Stadium, according to the group led by the NFL team's owner. So the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, is basically the uh, joined forces with Liberty Media to try and get this Miami Grand Prix set up. So this has been Ryan. It's been now officially two years. In May 2017 was when they joined forces with Stephen Ross to try and get the Miami Grand Prix set up for this season. Yep. So the news is that um, Stephen Ross and his team have now switched their focus to bring F1 to a site near the Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play and where they just recently had uh, the Miami Open uh, tennis tournament, which was apparently a, a money event as well. I just don't – there's no – Miami's flat as hell. Well, how is the street circuit going to be good there? You know, Monaco has elevation change. Baku has elevation change. Yeah, I mean, it's all just going to be about the build and the setup, right? So what they're saying now is we want to create a world-class racing circuit in the land around the stadium, which is over 250 acres they have to play with. So they're looking at the whole picture. They want to have, you know, something that's repeatable – not a beatable, but repeatable. Future <laughs> repeatable, <years>. beatable. <laughs> yeah. Um, they want to have just epic concessions, and they just want it to be a massive event. So at least good on them for trying to maybe do something with that space around the stadium, you know, the way that um, Russia did with Sochi to bring future events there. Yeah, well. I mean, I'm not holding my breath, but I do have my fingers crossed that we can get that Miami race because that could – if they do it right, man, it could become an awesome event. You know, the Mon- the Monaco of North America. Could it could? Yes, sir, it could, and I'm praying that it does. And we will <laughs> we will just stay on top of all the non news news about Miami Grand Prix as it continues coming. Don't hold your breath. I'm. I'm <laughs> if we had a, like a laundry list of all of every single headline about the potential Miami Grand Prix, you would just like shake your head. Yeah, it's, it's just been a lot of votes, and a lot of votes that have been just basically the results were we're going to have more votes. So it's a lot of yeah. non-answers in our non-news news segment covering the Miami Grand Prix every time there's something new that is nothing. Some juicy non-nugget. Exactly. Well, that does it for all the news I had. Uh, I'm just, like you said, just getting ready for uh, – Spain to end the pain is what I'm hoping for. Yeah, we just need a clean slate at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's what, 20, 20 races on the calendar? Or is it 21? Uh, I believe it's 21. Yeah, so we're almost, we're basically virtually uh, a fifth of the way through the season right now. So I'd like to see the next fifth, the second fifth of the season be. Uh, be a little different than Mercedes 1-2 after 1-2 after 1-2. Let's get Ferrari up there, man. Let's get Leclerc that win he deserves so we can have a 110th different Grand Prix winner in Formula 1 history. Unfortunately, I think his uh, his best shot at a win was taken from him by, by uh, reliability issues, man. Yeah, well, I think he'll get one this year. More than one would be my guess, actually, because I'm hoping that Ferrari can get their shit together. And uh, who knows, Rye Guy, if he can quality his balls off, maybe he'll get it in Spain. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know, Mercedes looks so strong in the corners though compared to Ferrari. Like they have they've completely neutered Ferrari's power advantage. Yeah. I agree. I mean and Mercedes looked shaky at the beginning of the year, but they've got everything dialed in now and they look unstoppable. So here's a Ferrari, to, a Ferrari power advantage that I'm not even sure exists, by the way. Right. The faux power advantage. <laughs> faux they're faux exactly. <laughs> Fake, Dude, that's a, that's a great Rari. Yeah. So, Ferrari. We're waiting for Ferrari to become the the uh, real deal and see Ferrari out there prancing about the track. So, yeah, again, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you think might be interested and people you think wouldn't be interested to try and get them on board. And hit us up at Purple Sector Pod on the social media. And we'll be back before you know it to uh, get prepped for the race in Spain, right, guy? Yep. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you all on the track. <laughs>